0: I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk to you about Anchor. Anchor is brought to you by Spotify and is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It will also help you distribute your podcast across popular podcast hosting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Best of all, you can make money from your podcast on Anchor with no minimum listenership. So for those of us just starting out, this is very helpful. And do you know how much it costs to have everything you need to make a podcast in one place? 100% free. Yep, you heard me right. You can do all of this and make money for free. So if you have been thinking about starting your own podcast, now is your chance. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, I'm Yen. Hi, I'm Yvonne. Welcome to Lost and Refound Podcast.
1: We're a podcast discussing our personal journeys as modern Asian women and sharing inspiring stories from within our community.
0: We hope you enjoy this episode. Now let's get started.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another
0: episode of Lost and Refound Podcast. I'm your host, Yen, and we have Yvonne as well. Hi, Yvonne. Hi. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm super excited week? for our guest. Oh, our, our guests is, Are my week is going okay? <laughs> I <laughs> went into You that. think we'll
0: be better at this by now? They're <laughs> messing
1: every single time.
0: right? <laughs> it's okay, but I'm really excited today because we have a very special guest, Rachel, back with us today. Rachel and I have been friends for over ten years now, and she is the designer and owner behind the brand Nude Elements. Hi, Rachel. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm so happy you're here. It's been a long time coming. I know. I know. <laughs> I've been hounding you for half a year. I don't mind that. It's okay. You're busy. We're all busy. You have a business to run. Yeah. But like I said, Rachel and I have known each other for over 10 years. We met through our husbands. And ever since I met you, Rachel, you have been a huge source of inspiration for me, not just because of your creativity, but because you had the guts to quit your corporate job and take the risk of starting your own brand. And I remember when you first launched Nude Elements and look at where you are now, you have beautiful of products. And so I'm really, really proud of you. And I would love it if you can tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to take such a drastic action of quitting your job and starting something that you truly believe in.
2: Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, first off, thank you for those words. I mean, dude, you're you're such an inspiration to me too. Like being a mother, your full time career and all the things you do on the side. So you just like, wow. Thank you. <laughs> I try and I try and aspire to you with your cooking and all your other stuff. So hopefully one day. Um Well,
0: you don't see the craziness behind the scenes. That's the thing. You <laughs> well, have to I ask Sable what's that. really like. <laughs>
2: that's why I haven't done anything yet because I know how crazy it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I, Yvonne, I don't know if you know, but I actually used to work at um, Pottery Barn. So it's like, you know, the Williams Sonoma home brand. I was furniture designer in one, in one brand. I was like, uh, what do you call it? The home, ac- home deck ac- accessory designer when I first, first started. So that was in the Williams-Sonoma home brand, and then I jumped to Pottery Barn, Maine, and then I went to PBT. So, you know, just coming out of college, you know, I wanted that career of like, oh, okay, you know, I want to design product, you know, that's in everybody's home so that, you know, just kind of, I think I was so young, I was just in it, you know, trying to work, trying to work for the man living in California, you know, <laughs> having, having an income to be able to live. And then once I was there for a few years and I was at Pottery Barn Teen, I was just like, teens I guess are more open to sustainability and like things were just starting to happen then I guess, you know, there was like the reclaim stuff. It looked very, you know, homemade, things like that. And in my job we had to find Lots of inspiration photos, because like every season it was like, okay, let's create a a mood board kind of Mm -hmm. basically to present to the buyers on what would be most enticing to the teens this coming season. But it's crazy because it's like you were pressured to design like, well, at least in furniture, there are fewer SKUs, but for like, you know, accessories, they had backpacks and radios and, you know, locker accessories and, you know like anything for their room. So it's, they could have hundreds to maybe almost a thousand um, SKUs per season just because of the color, colorways and things like that. So watching samples come in like from overseas, I was just like, okay, this is crazy, like MDF, particle board, you know, plastics here, seeing all the paper that we were printing for these presentations. Like Mm -hmm. it was over and over again. It didn't matter. Like, no, it had to be perfect for the buyers, which was crazy (laughs) because they were the ones that ran everything. So when I was doing my research, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm not really happy. (laughs) I'm like looking up all these really great products. And they were a little bit too forward for the brand. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, I'll put it to the side. I'll come to it later. But sustainability was like really growing and, and you know, that flame, that passion was really growing inside of me. And so I heard that somebody in textiles, in the textiles department was spearheading, like trying to use more organic materials, you know, trying to maybe use some of the um, fabric suppliers in the U.S. and things like that. And so I talked to her and she's like, well, you know, I kind of present to the executives like every quarter to see like what are some of the things that we can bring into the brand, you know, each quarter. And so I was like, great. So I talked to my director. And he's like, okay, if this is something you're really passionate about, why don't you present with, I forget her name, (laughs) but why don't you present with the textiles department, you know, next, next season. So I was like, okay, great. So I go in, I'm already really excited. And then at the end of it all, you know, they're like, okay, this sounds good. You know, Um, like, we'll, we'll, we'll think about this. We'll try and, you know, run it, you know, maybe we'll, try a few samples with this different material, with this recycled polyester for bean bag fill or, you know, things like that. And so I think we went maybe one season and did um, some samples. But when that time came around to, you know, trying to find out if we could actually bring this to production, they're like, well, this is really great. But the margins are too low for us. And I'm like, "Ah, oh, of course. <laughs> So then like season after season, I was just like, okay, well, nothing's going to change. Like all the products are the same kind of, they change colorways for each season. It was just, I I just felt like I was a robot. And the more I was doing research for each season, the more I was like, wow, I really want to do my own thing. So I have to give a lot of credit to Tim, my husband, because (laughs) like there are days when I would just like cry before going to work, I'm like, I don't want to go to work. You know, this is, this is ridiculous pressure for 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 things that I really don't care about. Mm-hmm. And so I we had many conversations, <laughs> and I was like, Are we at a place where I can try this out? And he's like, As much as I don't want you to leave your your full time job, I want to support you. So yeah, go ahead. And so from there, you know, I I did the first just market, I think it was in Jack London Square and it, it was received really, really well. And so from, I just, I thought there was a market for it. So just kind of went forward.
0: Yeah, I remember um, before I think even launch brand, was it for my birthday? I remember we met at Sam's Chowder House and you gave me a planter that you made uh-huh. out of the wine corks that's half painted blue and half natural and I remember I was amazed I'm like this is beautiful and I would never in a million years think about cutting a wine cork into little discs and building them into something structurally so gorgeous and (laughs) I just remember thinking I her brain is amazing (laughs) what inspired you to to even think about something like this
2: so I mean okay so right at that age right we're out of Kind of recently out of college, beer was, you know, the beer and hard alcohol was <laughs> a drink of choice back then. And then, you know, now that we're working, we're like, oh, let's try happy hour and wine. And so I was just trying to think of different materials that people threw because throw away every day, right? So it's like, you know, I saw articles about cigarette butts and plastic bottles and things like that. But for overhead costs for me, right, I didn't have the funds to buy molds to do injection molding for plastics if i wanted to do recycled bottles or something like that right
1: mm-hmm.
2: so i just for some reason i was drawn to the wine cork i started researching like the material because my background ivan is industrial design i don't know if, if you know that so for me it's like i'm a little bit of a nerd where i like to research materials and just kind of go past what things are And so with cork, I found out that it's, you know, mildew resistant, it's fire retardant, so I'm like, oh, this is a really cool material, what can I do with it? And then honestly, the thought that came to mind, I was actually asleep, and I was dreaming, and I dreamt of stacking coins in my dream in this like cylinder form. And then I woke up and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) why don't I make a planter out of these? (laughs) Then I also decided to research things about plants to help market my planters. So then I have this infographic um, based on a NASA study that they did in the eighties where they were figuring out which plants are most effective at cleaning your inside air and inside the home because they say you know with MDF and all the furniture that's being made our indoor air is actually worse than outdoor air because of the paints the adhesives you know things like that and so I was like oh this is great people are gonna just like eat this up so I created this infographic of plants that are most common and like easier to take care of and then I kind of showed like which one absorbs which toxin and you know what what where does that toxin come from and you know what does it cause if you have too much of that toxin and so yeah that was really fun and so I think people like I loved it when people stopped by and they even if they didn't buy anything first off they would read this infographic and then kids would come by and they would stop and their parents would actually keep walking and the kids just kind of reading this infographic and it just it just
0: made me so happy. The childrens are our future.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, and your infographics are beautiful. They're they're gorgeous, um, and I think we need more more content like that. Because I was telling Yan um, and a couple of my friends that one thing that makes me so surprised is that with all the news, the technology, and the platforms that we have, we have way more videos and tutorials about. How to choose the right brow pencil how to choose the right concealer than we do about how to appropriately recycle products did you know like it, like the proper ways to recycle you should roll up all foil so that it doesn't break uh-huh. away in little pieces and turn into litter just different nuances like that that for so long people have been practicing they just they just do this plastic goes in here Plastic goes in there, like just different um habits that just haven't been broken yet. And I, I think that you're definitely starting a change and I, I want to be a part of that and, and be able to create more infographics. I want anybody to be a
2: part of that. <laughs> oh, I'm like most people don't know the the foil, the aluminum foil thing. And they're just like really
0: I'm like yeah
2: (laughs) I mean I mean I guess I shouldn't be so like judgmental because I didn't know at some point right like
0: I just found out I I, I just found out right now (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it has to be the size of at least your fist or or
2: a crumpled can before you can throw it into the recycling bin
0: oh shit I've been like folding it nicely and (laughs) put it into my recycling bin if it's still large enough then okay okay.
1: yeah
2: but
0: yeah
1: (laughs) yeah and even like the little caps, right, like a bottle yeah. for some period of time, there was some type of rumor out there that you should remove the caps before putting them in the bottles. And that was because the bottle caps and the plastic bottle itself was made out of two different plastics. So you didn't want them at the same in the same time or else that they would contaminate different types of plastics mm-hmm. again this is because i'm taking tours of our recycling facility they have oh, okay. tours and oh, it, so and all of our listeners you know if you guys have your own recycling local recycling center definitely find out if they have info sessions they i'm sure they do um ours in san mateo offers one every um every week or the first of over the first week of every month so um you can definitely learn a lot and I've gone to multiple of them because they talk about different things because different people um, attend the info sessions then everyone asks a different question I'm like oh my gosh I never thought of that question or like people do that like you you have to do that I didn't realize <laughs> um, like there's questions about paper towels is that compost or is that recycling
0: <laughs> Oh, this is fascinating I need to go I always tell people like the biggest thing with recycling is they need to make it easier to understand that's the biggest thing where people don't recycle because they don't know what to do right like and also make it easier so if you get like a package you have to remove the label well the label sometimes really hard to remove yeah no that's all of that we need to take into consideration the companies need to take into consideration but it's all about the bottom dollar for companies right they're not going to take that step unless cut the the raw material costs are lowered but for sustainability the raw material costs are much more expensive than the the old material
2: well if we can get the big corporations, so i don't know if you've seen the articles that have even been circulating around recently how big oil right are the ones that convince the convince the consumers that plastics recyclable so that they can make more money off of the byproduct that they've been pulling from the ground. So (laughs) if we can somehow get them on board with, you know, being part of the recycling collection, um, you know, plastics education, because they're the ones that started this whole thing of, hey, you guys can recycle plastics, it's okay, come buy it, it's cheap, you know? But for them, it was like, oh, we can make some extra income by using this byproduct from the oil and gas that we're extracting from the ground so that's yeah, really unfortunate
0: <laughs> yeah I Yvonne and I used to work together one year they held a Q&A lunch session with our CEO and it was a smaller group so you attend different groups mm-hmm. and the group I was in one of um, the ladies asked him about recycling and sustainability because we you know we send out monthly samples. And every single little bottle, is hard to recycle little bottles. That was a key issue that we were concerned about. And that was super disappointing to hear our CEO say, well, I don't think that's an issue on corporation. That's a government issue. And he even said, I don't even, I didn't even care about getting recycler bins in here. The only reason we put in here is because everyone was asking for it and we don't make the employees happy. That was nail in the coffin for me almost. I was like, I cannot work for a company that when they're talking to customers, they talk about how they care about such things, but then behind closed doors, a complete different story. But this is so common, right? CEOs and members of the board, they don't really care about anything else but the bottom line. And you know, Yvonne and I both having worked in product development, like I completely understand the frustration of seeing so many samples comes in and none of them can be recycled. I was getting samples for one bag per month that we had to ship out, but we would get like up to 10 different designs. Like every design would come in 10 different samples. And it just, it builds up so quickly and everything then get tossed into landfill because these are not, these are plastic materials. They're not mm-hmm. fabric because we had to keep the dollar low you know? So, and that's where I just, I get so frustrated, but I, I don't know what the solution is. What is the
2: solution? I know it's hard though, because it's like a perpetual cycle, right? It's hard to, it's, it's like, do we blame the corporations? Do we blame the consumers? But it's, it's, it's a, there's a fine line because it's like, yes, we vote with our dollars, but there are some people that they, they can't afford, Mm -hmm. they can't afford to do it. But on the up, on the flip side, it's like the well, the corporations, they can't afford to make it affordable for those people with a sustainable thing. So it's it's like either there's there's way too many layers. It's like we have to pass the laws, we have to protest, we have to boycott, you know it's it's all in one altogether. So it's it's really
1: hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a true community effort and because, a lot because a lot of the time, sometimes um, leadership will at the company that I currently am at and previous companies, sometimes they'll say, oh, well, it doesn't exist or like, I've never seen that. That's not necessarily true. There's actually a lot of really great technology that is out there. A lot of companies doing great. Like I was just speaking to someone um, who is the CEO, uh, Scott Fulbright of Living Inc. and he was talking about how he's doing a lot more active work about reaching out to brands, because brands are the indie brands, maybe not necessarily the big guys, like the big guys like, yes, like there's um, there's a lot of play in that, but sometimes you, you have to be careful because sometimes they don't want to be the first ones. Mm-hmm. So then you have to prove out the concept with someone who's really willing to be that risky first move, mm-hmm. um, and then, put your foundation out and then you can start working with with any brand you want Um, but not instead of reaching out to consumers you drive awareness to the brands Um, and the brands are creating that demand through their consumer because they're telling the consumers and educating them that way versus Mm -hmm. the old school way where some maybe some brands still do but they'd be like oh well none of our consumers are asking for it so that's why we're not providing it I, I think that that's a very old story and many brands are thinking about it the opposite way and it, to be able to drive uh, in intuition and uh, innovation forward so that you can think like a brand forward company. Um, and, and I think that's, a, it's a, definitely a play that um, I appreciate. And, and I'm glad we can, we can talk about that, especially you, Rachel, like you're one of those brands is leading that way because believe me, I'm sure like, you know, Pottery Barn's looking at that and saying, how do we make this possible?
2: <laughs> well, now they are. I mean, now that a lot of their, the, even like West, West Elm was more of, more of the, before, the front runner in sustainability when, when I was still working within all the, all the brands there. Um, But now going back, you know, I'll, I'll look at PBT once in a while. I'm like, oh man, like (laughs) this is something I suggested so long ago. I'm like, they're doing it now. I mean, it's great that they are right. So hopefully they're, they're still making their margins like they want, but (laughs) no, they're probably just jumping on the bandwagon and maybe they'll jump, maybe they'll stick with it. Maybe they'll, they'll not, well, it
0: is a con- consumer to demanding it, right? Like yeah, children yeah. is our future because the Gen Zers are okay. the ones that are, are pushing for sustainability. They want to inherit a healthy planet. I'm back at Walmart now. I literally just had a conversation on sustainability and why? Because consumers care about that now. Oh. So every company is like, well, I better jump on this wagon too. I just hope we can act soon enough because I just yeah. feel like we are not moving fast enough to make the
2: change. Yeah, part of my part of my little, I guess motto when I go to my when I go to the markets and stuff, I'm always, you know, kind of signing off after I do an Instagram post of like, you know, I'll be there this weekend spreading the sustainability love. But for me it's more about like leading by example, right? So the more people regardless if they don't necessarily buy immediately like a sustainable product, But if they can do little steps, you know, just to start, you know, that's great. Like one story I have, which is one of my favorites, is I was at this buyer show. It's like a little a small one. So it was in San Francisco before we moved. And this one company was trying to help a lot of us smaller brands get in front of buyers within the San Francisco like store community. And so we were there. It was a rainy day. And it was a Friday evening, so I'm thinking, you know, most people, you know, want to be at home, just cozy and stuff. So I think the organizer felt a little bad. So he ordered some pizza for us and he's like, oh, you know, I he's he contacted all the people. So people, buyers ended up coming eventually, but so we he bought some pizza for us. And of course I have my little stack of sur- travel serviettes that I bring with me everywhere. And so I pulled mine out. And I grabbed a pizza and I was eating it. And one of the other vendors that I've become good friends with, she's like, yeah, Rachel, ever since I saw you do that, I haven't used a paper napkin since. I'm like, Yay. That's amazing, That's amazing. I mean, even, you know, regardless if you ever buy anything from me, that makes it all worth it because I mean, paper napkins people just use so mindlessly and they don't realize like. The amount of water that they're like, well, what about washing a cloth napkin? I'm like, think about the water that it needs to grow that tree to the mat, you know, the, the size that it needs to be to make all those paper napkins that you use for three seconds and then throw away. So, and you don't even compost it, right? You
0: probably just <laughs> threw it in the trash, which yeah, is even worse. And many times you get fast food, they shove like a ton yeah. of napkins that you end up throwing the whole thing away. Now I take them out. But I remember before I just toss the whole thing out, you know, cause I don't I don't even look inside.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's
0: so I mean,
2: there are lots of things that anybody can do. I mean, simple things like just, I don't know if you guys, well, I know Yan, you love to cook, but Yvonne, do you like to cook? at home do yes like vegetable scraps do you know this trick about cutting all your veggie scraps and then throwing them in a bag in the freezer and then when you need to make vegetable stock you can rinse those scraps off and then make you know boil it to make
0: a vegetable stock
2: and then yeah and then it's and then it's even more ready for the compost because it's all broken down and stuff so
0: that's such a good idea to boil yeah. them first and then yeah, you have stock yeah. and material for compost.
1: Exactly,
0: yeah. Amazing, see, these are tips I never think of.
1: <laughs> yes, no, that's great. My. So that's really funny. I never actually have vegetable scraps because my mom always taught me, just chop everything up and throw it in the whole bin. And then you just, and then you scoop everything out afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, carrot, uh, I remember at one time, um. someone saw me doing that and she goes like isn't that poisonous like, like beet like uh, beet tops or yeah. like and I'm like I eat don't those. like I thought you could eat those yeah, um, you can eat them.
0: they don't but, taste that great
1: <laughs> I mean <laughs> you. it just goes in the whole bowl of like everything else right like this whole pot but my mom is is incredible and um, she definitely has a lot of old world traditional medicinal knowledge, um, which is incredible and amazing. So yes, like I'm sure at some point, like there was, if there, something was poisonous, she would have probably boiled that out already <laughs> um, in, in her minds. Um, but yeah, so I, I love that. I love using every part of the vegetable, even when it comes to um, meat and protein, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, got to save everything. Don't, can't, don't peel that off like that's food that's goodness <laughs> like chicken fat or uh, or like saving uh, like the bacon fat or the grease mm-hmm. like for for other additional recipes in fact like when um, when someone's deep frying something um, a lot of the times you can use old oil and I didn't know that until very recently and I was just like oh my gosh like I had no idea you could save all that oil
0: <laughs> yeah I save my oil I also save chicken fat I save yeah. bacon fat. I have like jars in the fridge but you kind of fat <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a good idea. I keep mine in the freezer, but I didn't think about the fridge.
0: <laughs> yeah, I keep it in the fridge. The chicken fat's great.
1: Yes. So for lots of recipes. Yeah. Um and and, and that I think is where maybe it's our background, maybe it's just like how we grew up, but I, I think saving food and being very food conscious, and water conscious, like mom, she'd be even like whatever you'd use to watch the vegetables, you'd wash something else with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'll wash vegetables and I'll,
2: I'll, I bought a pretty stainless steel um, watering can and I just stick it on my counter. So, after I veg- wash vegetables, I pour the water into that. Even like glasses of water. I know, like, kids, right? Like, when I was growing up, we would have glasses of water on the table. My mom's like, Are you finished with this? You know, <laughs> yeah. just go and dump it in the plant instead of down the drain, right? So, right. So now I just dump it into my watering can. And then just water all the plants that I have in, in the house. So,
0: yeah, and people don't know the water that's been used to boil vegetables. Like, if you use water to boil corn or like parboil broccoli or, or string beans, that water is actually really good for your plants once it's cooled down. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I do the same thing, except I need a prettier uh, watering <laughs> can because mine is like all rusted and gross. You don't <laughs> want that on a kitchen counter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, that's good to know. Um, I didn't, cause I didn't realize that, and I'm also not that great with plants, so I need a lot of tips for this next year. I love the fact that Yen always has that that gardening, that green thumb, and so she's always giving such great tips because that's just so that's part of the importance of learning to to cycle the cycle of life and being able to teach our kids. Why is it so important to cherish the foods that we eat? Because it takes so long, and <laughs> there's not a lot that comes out sometimes. But you have gotta move through the process mm-hmm. um, because it's so very important. And some in some years you have to replant the plant, right? Like the plant actually dies, and you because it because it, it, it didn't bear any more fruit. Um, and then so teaching kids that way and understanding how can we feed our agricultural system here in america why there are food deserts why there are places um that have so much food but yet have to throw it away like they'll throw away milk fresh milk into the ground because the price isn't right that's crazy they still do that to this day that's not that's not like the 1800s this is a very much modern way that that farmers have to still figure out how to live and I think that's even just going into past the the sustainability of products right once we've actually made the product with the whole agricultural system that then leads to these products. Um, needs much more awareness and to be talked about more in, in a very fluid space so that people can ask questions, because I think that there's there's a lot that gets glazed over and I wish we taught this in kindergarten or elementary school because it's almost, it's like Yan said, sometimes it's too late. You reach an adult you're like, well, I've created all this trash my whole life. (laughs) Is it too late to start now?
2: Yeah. People are stuck in their habits, right? Like when we get to a certain age, it's like, ah, I've been doing it for so long, but yeah. I mean, there's the whole thing about like circular economy or circular design that's coming out, right? So that's, that's, going to apply to everything so with agriculture bringing our waste and our you know all anything back into the ground so that it can grow and so that we can be sustained again from the food that we throw out or compost right so same with like design or products in general it's like we want to have it be a circular economy where I mean they're the the resources that I use for my product they're just like dead stock from designers that don't like, okay, well, we don't need to use this fabric anymore for the season because it's old news, right? Or community, like somebody takes up a a hobby and they want to sew or do some sort of craft and, you know, they get distracted in them. So all of these things are just donated. So there are so many (laughs) resources that can be used for new product that can just kind of cycle and i mean thankfully there are companies that are coming up now that are recycling you know recycled polyester is a huge thing now um recycled cashmere recycled wool you know there's a company called 4 days that will take back their basics do you like that company <laughs> yeah, they're really cool um and then there's a company in new york that's called air air company or airco and they um, develop vodka from sucking CO two from the atmosphere, so it's wow. like negative vodka. So and they actually only sell in New York because they're like, we don't want to ship, you know, and and add extra, um, extra carbon emissions to the country. So I was like, oh damn, I want to try this vodka. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>
0: Gotta go <laughs> down uh, New York. I know. Next
2: time I'm in New York, maybe I'll grab a bottle. But um, that hopefully that's sooner than later. That's going to be five years I know, right?
0: <laughs> before we can leave our house again.
2: Yes. Yeah. And then there's all these other great companies. There's another, I think it's in China somewhere called Billy Upcycling, and they'll take any type of fabric and they'll recycle it and weave it into new fabrics. So I thought it was really cool because, you know, so many people do develop product in China. So it's yeah. great to have already have it over there so that you don't have to, because there are, I know there are recycling mills, um, a lot of the fabric, weaving mills are in North Carolina, I think, somewhere, like on the East Coast. Um, And so, you know, let's say somebody here, they don't want to have to ship their fabric out to China, you know, for some reason, production is easier, or they, you know, have a good relationship with a seamstress or something. Um, But at least out there, you know, they have that option too, because I mean, all around the world, it's not just the U.S. that has a problem with waste. It's, you know, everywhere. So it's good that they have it, you know.
0: I was really encouraged to hear that China's getting rid of single-use plastic. Because mm-hmm. last time, remember we're there, Yvonne, for our trip, it's just everything was single-use plastic. Even when you sit down to eat, all the dishes are covered in like plastic you had to take off.
1: Wow. So, what they
0: do, a lot of restaurants, what they do is they don't have dishwashers in house. So, they send their mm-hmm. dishes to like a company to wash. Mm-hmm. So, they wash dishes, then they individual package each, uh, all the bowls and dishes together per set with plastic. So, when you sit down, the first thing you do is plastic. And then there's like, and then they give you like more like tissue paper and all of that. So, I'm just really glad to hear because there's so many people in, in China. That's going to be a huge impact on the environment by getting rid of that.
2: Yeah. And it's, and it is really about education. So the more that the companies are seeing that, I mean, I think it can be profitable for companies. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe don't be as greedy, you know, like exactly a great margin, but don't have, it doesn't need to be, you know, 60%. What's, what's wrong with 30 or 40%. I mean, Mm you're still going to have a comfortable life it's it's like exactly i think a lot of companies are just thinking of of the transition like is this transition going to cost me more than just that little bit of margin that i'm losing right Mm -hmm. so i think if there are other companies, i mean this is a great time for people who want to get into the sustainability sector like it's going to be a very viable position moving forward because you can educate, I mean, how many companies are there all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to go and talk to those companies and like, hey, you can still, maybe your margins 58%, bring it down to 55 and you can do this. This Mm -hmm. will actually, maybe you'll have more customers because you are more sustainable. And regardless of that 3% margin you lost, you'll be gaining such a loyalty of of um you know consumers so it's yeah it's just it's like we need an army to go out and just like guerrilla attack these corporations to kind of be like hey wake up
0: yeah and transitions are costly but it's an investment that's worth making yeah they make investments all the time in new technology right, transitioning one, from one platform to the next happens all the time. Or a reorganizing corporation incorporation, that costs a lot of money happens, like a Walmart happens two, three times a year, mm-hmm. you know? So we they are making this investment, but why are you then not making an investment into transitioning into more sustainable? Because that's ultimately gonna be a long-term strategy for you. Like you said, the consumer mindset is changing. So change with the times and grow with the times, make that initial investment investment it might hurt the first year, but it's mm-hmm. gonna only go up afterwards.
1: Exactly. It's just kind of incredible to hear that there is change that's happening and what the consumers think and what the consumers know. But I think that there is also there is, there is some shame. There is some public shaming. Like you have the Gen Z that are like, look at this company, like look at this waste that Amazon just sent me from a packaging. It, I only ordered one pen and it came in this giant box. And um there, you know, same thing with Glossier. I think that they got a lot of heat, especially with their their demographic. Um, so I think that it is it is happening from an a public level. Um, but I, I think it's also people are kind of quiet about it at the same time, because there's different ways that people are greenwashing and pretending to be more sustainable than others are not getting or not pushing in the creative space. They keep only investing in one area and not other areas. Um, and so it's it's almost like that. That like in a, the lack of wanting to learn more, and because they they feel good about what they're currently doing, and they just like okay this is great, <laughs> let's just stay in this lane, or they say oh we have a plan, but it's a five year plan. Why is it not a one year plan? Um, it's what are these like what are these topics, and what are what is driving these decisions? Um, always makes me really curious, and I always think like whenever I run my own business is going to be foundationally based on sustainability and longevity because. You got to start from the beginning. Like, I understand that now, especially working in a really big CPG company sustainability wasn't built on their foundation it's built now but it's still like a 20 30 year plan because once you have millions of SKUs out there it's hard to change rapidly and they want to make the right decision so that's why the process is a lot slower so it's a lot easier for smaller companies and smaller brands to make that happen and and again just kudos to the all small brands out there because they they are really driving that awareness and driving that change absolutely um, and yeah, there's a lot of TikTok uh, content creators out there. They're in one of my favorite Instagram uh, accounts is called Get Wasted. And so they show just the different levels of waste that you have in the world, as well as what are the improvements and what have, is the news that you're not hearing about from a recyclability standpoint, what other countries are doing. So not just the US, What are what is Australia doing? Um, and what is Europe doing? So that we, as a society, can can gather and become more aware as a community so that we can push for our governments. Like, I'm not expecting my government to know more than I do. <laughs> um, and <laughs> giving me, that's why I think it's so funny when someone says like, oh, I expect like that to be a policy if that was so important. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> that,
0: that's just that's just sort of saying I don't care.
1: <laughs> it's not my problem. <laughs> yeah. um, but yes, continue, sorry. Um, your, your thoughts on, um yes, sustainability and just different brands and actually for, for on your own bland brand platform, how do you, how do you really engage with your, with your community and ask them like, Hey, like, what do you guys want to see um, be more sustainable? Or what do you guys want from, from my brands? Um,
2: well, I'm, a, I'm really bad at social media. <laughs> So I try, I try and ask these questions. Um, But yeah, you know, sometimes I'll get like, usually the in-person markets is when I get the most feedback. Like, oh, this is great. Right. I had no idea um, about some of my infographics and things like that. And like recently I learned, so um, I create these mini like triangle pouches and, and I, the purpose for them is, you know, so people can bring their you know, utensils around, it can be a minimalist toiletry kit, things like that. But for utensils, I looked up on TSA, well, when we could fly, you can actually carry metal silverware onto a plane. But if you go into like a local courthouse, you know, for jury duty or anything, you cannot bring metal silverware into, cause I I went and I, so I had to bring my my little pouch back to my car I couldn't bring it inside <laughs> so you know that's that's really cool so I mean getting just like doing sustainability showcases during this pandemic like you know with companies and just a, they um, a lot of the green teams within brands mm-hmm. are bringing small businesses like us to kind of showcase our our business and our what we do and things like that so you know it's been it's just fun just educating and you know just realizing people don't
1: I really know a lot of things. Yeah, having just having that open conversation, even just my friends, um, I was telling even I even like really upsettingly my Malinka, he it just drives me crazy with his recycling habits. Um, But I'm a trash panda. Like I will go and and I will sort your recycling. I am I am not. I'm not shy, I'm petty like that. <laughs> I wave it in front of your face and be like this is not recycling. Um but Mal- so that's why Malinka's banned from from doing recycling because one time um obviously our recycling bin is very full because I pack it so tight and so neatly so everything can fit. I'm very proud of that. One time I caught him and he couldn't fit it in so I put it in the garbage bin. So he's I went and go, I went there and I went and I pulled it out of the bin. So now he cannot do that. I don't trust him. (laughs) I check every week. Um, But I mean, that's just who, and again, that's just like who I am because I try so hard. And now seeing what happens in a recycling facility that sometimes there's not a second gate. You are the gate. It doesn't get checked after you put it into that bin. So anything can happen. Um, and, and whatever doesn't get in there is trash and whatever happens, like thing can become contaminated. So knowing that and seeing that, I'm just like, I can't, I can't let that effort go to waste. <laughs>
2: Have you ever gone on the tour with you?
1: As he, oh, yeah. I, um, we haven't gone on a physical tour, but I, have tried to convince him to watch the video with me, okay. but he hasn't yet. But I think that's a very real thing, right? Like that's so why it's important for children to see as early as possible. So it's burned into your memory. Like you once you see what a landfill looks like, you you cannot get that image out of your head. It's devastating, absolutely mm-hmm. devastating. And I'm not just saying that because yes, it's a big pile of trash and like I I put some of that put some of that landfill into um into the ground. But when you think about that's a small part of what the world produces. And this is a small year out of whatever happens, then you start realizing how small you are and yet how how devastating these effects can be Um, and and how can it stop. And I I think that that's growing up in Arizona, we had a lot of landfills Mm -hmm. around where I was because we had all that space. And then knowing again in China, like where does it all go? (laughs) Some people it's out of sight, out of mind. And, and I think that that was one of the greatest blessings was actually seeing that because I, I have so much empathy for, for the earth because at some point, like, wh- where does it all go? I know some of it gets burned, but does it really? Does that then go into the atmosphere and the ozone? That's it goes really- goes in the ocean too. In the ocean, our poor ocean. I mm-hmm. don't, how do we continuously drink water from it? I'm not even sure at this point. <laughs> and, uh, and we were talking to- Uh, I was talking to one of my friends and she said, you know, when she was in construction and working construction facilities, one of her, uh, one of her friends there had said, you know, makeup doesn't break down. That's the one thing out of all the things that we've seen in construction and things that are made in the earth, even though you wipe away all your makeup, there is technically like some polymers inside your makeup and the pigments, even though you wash it away and you, and it goes down the drain or goes in the trash, it doesn't break down after that where does it go? And just that mindset, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yes, even in the beauty industry where it says like, this is green, this is clean, but it's not like I still wipe it off like, and I'll still have lipstick on something. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with clothing, like all the dye that we have in fashion. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely think that the upcycling movement and and that need to really bring that to life and bring that front forward is incredibly important. So um, places like Up Circle, um that are re-utilizing Coffee from the food industry, as well as different oils. Um, I mean, we're even considering using some ingredients from up, for upcycling as well and some of our products. And I, I really see that that as the next potential because you're you're creating value and you're seeing the value. The value was always there, but then you're seeing the value and being able to put that into into work and. and Put that forward because that's exactly what you know the petroleum industry did with plastic they upcycled their waste (laughs) and they made it into something else (laughs) we're just following in soon (laughs) and you two both
0: brought up TerraCycle what is that explain to our audience what is what is TerraCycle
1: sure um so TerraCycle is is a great company um they're a global company and they work with brands To be able to recycle anything that the brand needs to recycle Um, that from a consumer aspect or from a brand aspect. um, For example, they work with Nordstrom right now, so you can recycle any beauty packaging from any brand, and you can bring that to store they work with Nike so you can recycle any of Nike shoes. And brands pay for that service so it's free to your the consumers that are purchasing from the brands but. You you do have to um, you you when you participate you either sign up for their program or you have to bring it to to a location and then you can recycle um, and they have a very very clean recycling procedure it's very high tech and they they definitely break everything down and they almost guarantee zero waste um, I I definitely love the concept but as a brand trying to get into their Facility and into their program, it's very cost heavy. It's very cost heavy, Um, even for a new brand. It's a lot. Um, It's between thirty k and fifty k just to enter, and that's an annual fee. So you have to be making a certain amount of money, or going in with another brand, right? Like you plus something, somebody else. Um, And as much as I love like the concept, I I understand that not a lot of brands can do that. And to be able to continuously feed into the program, so it's fifty. So it's a straight 30K, even if nobody recycles, like you just pay 50K, like, and you can't force your consumers to recycle. Mm-hmm. That's the other tragedy as well. Um, yes, they'll help you promote and you could promote yourself. Um, so Ren and Garnier, Burt's Bees, they, they say like, oh yeah, like we recycle, recycle with TerraCycle. But even now, like my friends who purchase those brands, they don't know that, and I don't
0: know that. I know I, it's. Buy, I purchased Ren. I love that <laughs> skincare line, but I've never. And that's another thing. It just the we need to make it more convenient for consumers, and because unfortunately, that's just the number one thing now. I asked on Facebook, um, you know, what's their favorite retail app, and most of them said, you know, unfortunately, it's Amazon because of mm-hmm. the convenience. There's just nothing you just can't beat that, and myself as well Amazon has so much of my money and I don't feel good about purchasing right this this Christmas I made a very conscious decision to make to purchase majority of my presents from um, from Etsy from small artisans and I feel really good about that but you know I'm for everyday purchase when I need something especially in the in the middle of COVID the convenience is just there I need it because I'm a, I'm a working mom I have kids at home I'm trying to work I can't go out Um, but we just we need to find ways of making recycling, ma- making sustainability more convenient and also more affordable, right? The reason people don't eat healthy is because healthy food is expensive. The reason people don't recycle or don't purchase things that are are sustain- sustainable because they're more expensive. At the end of the day, companies need to figure out a way to make it affordable and convenient for the for the consumer to really okay. truly make that change.
1: I mean, it, and the fact that you have to pay money to recycle, like we pay yeah. a waste fee, like that's, I mean, in itself, like I, I get it because these facilities sometimes are, they're not publicly run, they're privately run. Um, so you 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 have to put that investment in, but it's not free. It's not free to have a clean planet.
2: <laughs> and yeah. I mean, it's same with compost, municipal compost pickup, right? And our garbage and things like that those we pay for just so that we don't, I mean, imagine if we lived in a country or a city where they don't have it, you know, the the garbage will just pile up. What do you do with it? So they're-
0: <laughs> my, compact, my complex doesn't have compost. And it makes me so angry. It makes me so angry. Like I'm literally composting a little bucket in my patio, but I can only compost so much because I only have a patio. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, you know, it's,
2: it is, really so what what is it that companies get when they pay that 30 30 grand is it they do they get like a one of those uh, receptacles so that people can come in or is it just so that they can be part of the program like, um really-
1: either either way I think that when I was speaking with the on um, the TerraCycle team who are really nice they're amazing I talk to them every year even though I haven't actually signed the check to to pay for that program. It's I need so many people to be able to approve that you guys can imagine. Um but it's you yes you can get the recyclable um the it, it, for our listeners who don't know it's this little this bin where you can toss in what, what you need they have bins for everything like even PPE where you can you can actually do that you can recycle PPE like gloves and and um goggles and, and mask. Terracycle will do that. But who's paying for it? Nobody at this point. So that's why it's so sad. You can recycle that, but people don't. And that's what TerraCycle just hasn't bridged the gap for me yet, is that they offer all these resources to allow people to recycle and the education but you you don't get any you don't get any more than them.
2: I think they they need to well somebody maybe a nonprofit marketing agency should go to TerraCycle because they do have some free mailers. Do you do you see that on their site? Like they have free mailers for individual homes and stuff. So if you sign up for so I'm on the beauty one. I'm on the Gillette weight razor. I tried to get <laughs> I tried to get Tim to do a, a safety razor, but he's like, he's like, I'm shaving my head. I'm so like, I don't want to cut myself. And so I'm like, fine. I'm like, you can get the you can only get the Gillette one because I'm I'm on the program. So you can sign up on their site. And then I was waitlisted for a little while, but then they finally approved me. So you can all you do is say, okay, I'm ready to ship. So you print a free label and then you put it in whatever, you know. Sh- Either envelope or shipping Mm -hmm. box, and then they they'll just take it. So those there are some free ones there, Mm -hmm. which is really great. And then the other thing is they have the map on their site. So most people don't know that you can actually go onto their site and look at a map and see where there are TerraCycle receptacles around your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. If they advertise this to people, and I know I know it's it is inconvenient for people right like I have to go out I have to go <laughs> drop it off somewhere but like you know just I mean yeah and maybe you can confirm this but in Taiwan don't people have to take out their own trash like don't they have to go did I read that right in an article where they have to go and take their own trash to they,
0: to like uh I mean there's a trash bin outside
2: so yeah have but to take it out like pickup, right there's no pickup right outside your house
0: No, it's like central location
2: yeah 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 exactly. <laughs>
0: Well, how many people in the U.S. would
2: complain about yeah. that, right? So, like, I understand the inconvenience factor, but I think maybe this is a, a point in time where people have to realize, like, it's not just about me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I can go for a little walk. You know, maybe I'll take my kids for a walk, and we can go to this receptacle. And you know what? If it's a local business that has it, you'll you'll find out something about this local business. You're like, hey, I didn't realize this was here. And maybe you'll start shopping from them. Like part of the reason why they get these boxes is to bring people in, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the zero waste stores that I shop at have that. But for me, it's like, okay, well, I already go into your store anyway. So this is great. I get to bring my my TerraCycle that I can't do any recycling at home that I can bring to you guys. I mean, and but for me, like I I will admit that I do once every like two or three years, I'll buy one of those big boxes. I mean, they're like $200, $300. They're an investment. They are an investment. But for me, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to amortize it. So for, if it takes me two years to fill this box, I'm paying an extra, I don't I can't do the
1: math.
2: (laughs) I'm paying an extra $12 a month. I'm like, that's less than a Netflix and and I'm doing something that makes me feel good and I know that this company is going to responsibly recycle my you know these things and so you know it it really is a combination of you know can people afford that convenience or you know can they can they compromise their convenience and do something that's a little bit out of their norm and you know say hey
1: okay this isn't so bad you know Right, right. Absolutely. And, and I would actually, the next time I move, I'm going to do the TerraCycle box because how much of stuff do we actually donate, but it actually is trash. You don't, but you don't know where it goes. So now with these boxes, you can make conscious decisions. So you can actually see where it goes. If it's absolutely no longer usable, mm-hmm. then, uh, cause I think a lot of people, even when it's goodwill or a Salvation Army or, um, Wherever you the people want to donate, they just make this bucket assumption. Say like, "Oh, this is great. Someone's going to use my clothes." Yeah. That's not true. They a only a lot of them
0: end up in the trash.
1: That's right. They only yeah. take thirty percent of don. They technically only take thirty percent of the donations. Um, like you're not seeing a lot of H and M, Forever Twenty One, Boohoo. Like you're not yeah. seeing that in Goodwill. Okay. <laughs> uh,
0: what I've been doing this quarantine though, that's been working for me is I've been using like Facebook Marketplace just yeah. to oh, yes. list free stuff. Right, so I'll be like, I have you know, used kids' clothing that are still in good condition, you know, and people will come pick it up because I know they actually want it. Like, just Mm. got rid of a bunch of my kids' uh, stuffed animals. You can't, you can't even donate those things. But if you list online, people will come get in. and I know they actually will use it instead of just giving to Goodwill, where I'm pretty sure majority of it will end up in the trash.
1: That's a good idea. I heard good things about Facebook Marketplace, but I personally. I don't know. I I don't have a Facebook, so (laughs) (laughs) now.
0: Yeah, you don't need. There's other places. There's plenty of other places you can use to do that. And also with um, bird Up's Great for a lot of my clothing, and they will recycle recycle the, the stuff responsibly. Yes, that's true. But honestly, like even at the end of the day, us consumers only have so much carbon footprint, the, the biggest offenders are still corporations. Yeah, Companies like Nestle or like Coca-Cola, they are the ones doing the worst things to the planet. Mm. And at the end of the day is we can all do our part, but we need to make sure companies are taking responsibility and that there's consequences for when they break these rules. Because right now, money is not an issue for them. They're happy to break the rule and pay some money and then continue to dump stuff into our rivers. Mm makes me sad. It does. It does. But I'm still hopeful because I am seeing change and change starts small. But when you have companies like Walmart, talking about sustainability, at this point, I don't care why they're doing it as long as they're they're doing something about Mm -hmm. it. And it's Mm -hmm. top of mind for them, then at this point, that's good enough.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. It's, it's all the small steps. And, and that's where, like, I'm not trying to shame anyone that doesn't currently like recycle to this level or compost to this level, because yes, we're all, we we all have different capabilities. Um, and, and we're, we're limited in our resources. It's really just about like bringing that awareness, like, and just really talking about like, how, how crazy is this? And, and what can we, how can we do more? And how can we how can we educate ourselves more and educate our friends and our families to be able to do more? And, and that's why we really appreciate people and experts like Rachel coming on and being able to share their story. So we thank I'll you so much.
2: You guys, I mean, you guys <laughs> become advocates by being so curious, right? Like everybody who is curious just instantaneously becomes an advocate for the earth because they're asking questions. So I'm, you know, like once they do learn more about different corporations and their intentions and they realize that. You know, hey, I want to get something that is more sustainable, and then they switch. You know, the bottom line for these corporations aren't going to be like, well, we're losing customers. Why? You know, they're going to see that these more sustainable brands are going to surpass them at some point, and so, you know, it is.
0: Sorry, my dog is. <laughs> he used to go out. Hold on a second. Okay. <laughs>
1: like, let me out of here. I know her dog is so cute,
2: cute. too. He's like, I'm gonna join in on the conversation.
0: Sorry, sorry.
1: Keep going. <laughs> I didn't even realize he was underneath your feet. Like, I he was even... sleeping
0: next to me, <laughs> and now he's hungry. So, <laughs>
2: <Gotcha>. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, anybody, anybody, really, is an advocate. So, I mean, we we really do vote with our dollar, mm-hmm. and we can persuade the companies to, you know move in the direction we want to. We just have to do it as a
0: community. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, we do. We have to do it as a community. Yep. Well thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on. This has been a really yeah. fun and very educational conversation, especially for me, because I obviously did not know a lot about recycling. <laughs> so I'm gonna take both of your advices and and do a tour with the recycling center. Yeah. And have my kids watch it because they need to know.
1: It's very interesting and very interactive. Like again, I I encourage a lot of people, even if it's not in your state, like just learn more about like how do people recycle around the world because it's different from every community. Like people in San Francisco are not recycling the same as people in Los Angeles. That's just it just doesn't work that way. Um, I wish it did. That blew my mind that there was no government like uh are no overarching body, a certification body that says like this is how you recycle and this is the level and purity level of recycling. That's it doesn't happen. And it it really is, it really is from a consumer level and a private level, private sector level. So yes, more education and and even now like I'm sure as soon as this podcast goes live there's probably even more information out there so everything gets updated um just mm-hmm. like news and just like everything else it just isn't talked about as much as other activities
2: <laughs> there are a couple web uh like online resources that i like using when i you know for shopping so good on you have you guys heard of that good on you no i haven't so it's a really great um rating for clothing More so um they you know they say they'll have articles on like is modal really sustainable is bamboo um fabric really sustainable things like that and then they'll if you type in you know like i want i don't know men's sleepwear for example and then they'll give you a list of um brands for men's sleepwear if if they're sustainable and then they have a rating on how sustainable they are and why they are why they are um and so yeah, it's really it's really really great, um, but it's a little bit like TerraCycle. I think you have to <laughs> pay quite a bit to be featured in this um, on the site. But it's it's actually really good because I found some you know companies that I never knew of when I was searching for you know I forget something some sort of clothing. But yeah, it's really cool.
1: Yeah. The fact that, you know, about four days, like this is the first year I've ever heard of four days. Oh, yeah. And, and I gave them as gift cards to some of my friends this year for Christmas, like, yeah. for four days, not only is all their clothing um, made of sustainable fabrics, but they also have a swap program where oh. you can, yeah, whatever, like this shirt, if I, you know, I'm using it, I'm loving it a lot and it's looking a little raggedy, I can give it back, and they'll give me another item, and that's to amazing. It. Yeah, and be, yeah, exactly. And then they're going to treat it with respect. They know exactly like what material it is, so it's really controlling this type of loop cycle, uh, which I really, really appreciate. And and again, TerraCycle is doing a great job with like other like a lot of different brands. When you have companies that are controlling their own product and committing to their quality it it really says boundaries and it's not crazy it's not crazy expensive it's it's the most reasonable that i've seen (laughs) absolutely there's
0: another app i found recently it's called too good to go Mm -hmm. they just launched and they work with cafes and restaurants to sell food or ingredients they don't use that day and you can purchase it at like a much cheaper oh, wow. price wow yeah That's
1: they're not amazing. they're not
0: in our area first oh, yes no. they might yeah. be you can check yours i don't know if they're in colorado but they're not in in california i think they're on the east bay right now i mean not the east coast right now east
1: coast okay yeah. that right. makes sense yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot more populated
0: <laughs> yeah it's an interesting <laughs> app to follow so i'm just waiting for them to come over to the west coast yeah yes.
2: there there is another one i joined this like agriculture permaculture group in Colorado on Facebook you know after watching um, Biggest Little Farm mm-hmm. So um they I, I'll, I'll have to find it but it's I don't I think it's an app or a website where if you actually grow your own food and you have surplus that you don't are going to eat and you're and you're not like a farmer's market vendor um you can actually tell the community like hey I have some extra tomatoes like and people can come by and pay you for them or you, you get it for free or something but yeah it's all about like a food sharing so you that's wonderful based. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah I like that that's really cool yeah okay Rachel can you tell our audience where they can find you and where they can find your products
2: they can find my products on shop no yes shop nude.com <laughs> <laughs> S H O P N E W D. Um, the brand is Nude Elements, so you can use that for either Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm not. I'm glad you 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 just do audio recording for this. I would love love to do like video of like what you were talking about, Yvonne. Like you know, you can swap this for this, or you know, you can you know, you don't have to spend a lot on you know, buying new, um, I don't know, containers, you can go to a thrift store and they have like tons of jars there too, you know, or even secondhand clothing. Um, I know people are kind of weary against secondhand clothing, but sometimes you have, they're really great finds. So.
0: Not yeah. really, actually I was doing, when I was working at Facebook, I was actually on the Facebook market side and I was doing research on uh secondhand gifting and that is going up in popularity like no people no longer look at that as taboo or it's like Mm -hmm. oh you give me something old especially the gen Z and young millennials are insisting on secondhand gifts and that includes clothing oh that's great that's really great yeah so I've had friends times are changing
2: (laughs) I've had friends where they have kids they're like okay Rachel I know you they're like don't get me anything from (laughs) this I'm
1: like okay that means I have
2: Get organic baby clothing, which I'm fine with.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think people have to realize, like, it goes through a, a wash process, but yeah. when it gets yes, exactly. Too- I mean, yes. And when you
0: bring it home, you wash it too. You don't just put it
1: on, right? Like, I'm like, you should be washing even new clothes before you wear them. <laughs> but we'll I'll stop- be honest, I don't do that every time. <laughs> but- <laughs> but you should though because they definitely should, you, should. Okay. Yeah, you should okay you should. You should. <laughs> um but yeah like bags and, and everything i think it goes back to like what rachel was saying that a lot of the times like what we do as companies we we care a lot about what it looks like and how it feels like firsthand it looks good it smells good but um for you as a consumer whatever you have in your own your home, home definitely um be very aware of what you bring into your home and it's just all part of the education and we want to be a part of that we'll definitely link some of your infographics again we'll link
0: all your website and everything in our show notes as well as some of the apps that we talked about in this episode Mm -hmm. thank you so much rachel for coming on let me know when you're back in the bay area okay okay and we'll talk to you soon bye Bye. thank you Bye. bye Thanks again for listening to this episode. We really appreciate your support for our little podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it will mean the world to us if you can leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. This will help more people discover our podcast. You can find Lost and Refound podcast on Instagram at lost.and.refound. If you want to email us, you can do so at lostandrefoundpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I hope you stay positive and creative. Bye.